0: Mum As You Are is a place for self-compassionate reflection, to use what you have within you right now, as you are, perfectly imperfect, to find your way through motherhood. I'm Dr Erin Bauer, clinical and perinatal psychologist, author of More Than A Healthy Baby, course creator and mum of two. This is my second podcast, welcome if you've followed me over from my birth trauma work. This current podcast offering is bite-sized, unfancy and unplanned. A roadmap for finding your way back to self-compassion and how to replace numbing and escapism with true, meaningful fun. I talk about motherhood as an identity and an institution, perinatal mental health and patriarchy, parental burnout and numbing. The core message is to practice the question, I wonder. Instead of judging ourselves and engaging in comparisonitis, we simply ask ourselves, I wonder. I wonder.
1: So following on from my episode about EMDR for birth trauma, I thought it might be useful to talk a bit about why birth debriefs sometimes don't work <laughs> or why sometimes they make things worse because this is a thing that's come up quite a few times. Um, It's a bit echoey in my office at the moment, you're just going to have to live with it. I'm switching floors out so it's going to be a bit echoey for a while. But Back to the topic, so birth trauma debriefs. I offer them myself, Um, they can be useful, there's absolutely a place for them. But are there standards, protocols, guidelines? No, not really and so when that is the case sometimes they can potentially do more harm. Not because the people offering them intend to do harm but trauma is a tricky beast and I think sometimes people go into things with the intention of wanting to help and wanting to be useful without fully understanding all the nuances that they might be presented with. So. They are a good option uh, when someone wants support and they're not really sure like if they want therapy, if they need therapy. Remembering of course the majority of people who have a traumatic birth won't necessarily go on to develop full-blown PTSD. But not all birth debriefs are created equally. In Australia at least, there's really no consensus about who is qualified to do this and what do they involve and even, are they helpful? So this is something I cover in my Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers course. We've got several thousand people in it. It's something that people often have said they're appreciative now that they were not as mindful about it before. So I think it's worth remembering that uh, psychological debriefs are not quite the same thing. So I suppose, I mean, maybe 20, 30 years ago, after a critical incident, um, so, you know, like a shooting, a fire, a flood, maybe something like that, psychological debriefs were kind of the default um, for what, you know, we used to offer. But research over time has sort of said, well, maybe it doesn't actually do anything, but at least it's not harmful. Other research has shown that it can do harm and it can actually increase the likelihood of people developing some longer-term psychological symptoms. It, there's very mixed ev- evidence for this. So a birth debrief, let's focus on that. It's not the same as credible incident briefing. It really should just be you and your partner who's there if you want to involve your partner, sometimes not. Um, it's about active listening. It's about really being fully present in hearing what someone has to say, not be thinking about like what you're gonna say next. So I think a lot of people think they're really good at listening, but listening is quite a complex, energetically draining thing to do, if you do it properly. Um, you know, there might be a lot of sharing of information that no one has ever told you before. Um, that can be going over birth notes, it might just be going over particular details but I mean it's it's really up to the person who's having the debrief for me I think what they want to share and so I always just say you know at the start of mine, share or not share whatever you want um the nice thing I suppose about the way that I work is that if it's apparent that talking about it in itself is causing quite a bit of distress there's types of therapies you can use where you don't actually have to go into a lot of details EMDR if you're Thinking about that, that's probably the therapy that I would recommend um, when talking about it, it's tricky. Anyway, I don't want to sort of get off topic too much. But so, I mean, the emotional first responders that we have, so doulas, midwives, obstetricians, all the people who are there at the time, they are the people often hearing, witnessing the story to begin with. It's not a psychologist. Psychologists typically don't work in birth sweeps. Um I often say to people, like, you know, the first people who witnessed my traumatic birth, my story, one was an anaesthetist who held my hand and was the first person who actually made me feel like any sort of element of me not just being a peasy bait, lying on a gurney, like, so to speak. And in my second birth, it was my photographer and my doula. So a psychologist or a counsellor is typically not the first person. Who hears this story. And so going over the story with someone that you trust, who was there at the birth can be really helpful. But if you feel like either of you, like you need to censor things, it can complicate things. Like it just makes sense, you know. Sometimes um, the nature of the trauma is interpersonal, right? So you don't want to go back and talk to your person who made you feel awful about this that wouldn't be appropriate so an independent party is most likely the way to go and sometimes you know hospitals have had this history of offering birth debriefs sort of out of a sense that they need to do something but sometimes it's also just for managing uh, potential litigation which is not really what a birth debrief is so my concern with birthday breaks is that you're, if you think about like, what are you actually doing? Like before you get into like, well, I'm helping someone, I'm witnessing this story. It's like, no, what are you actually doing? The first thing you're actually doing is activating the trauma, but you're not necessarily processing it. So you're bringing something up and not everybody who does that is gonna have the skills to ride with that, so to speak. So for some people, Speaking about birth, thinking about it is going to take them right back and then and there, which is what PTSD feels like, where time and space is somewhere else, But right? Some people will be able to cope with that level of activation. And they'll cry and they'll hyperventilate a bit and they'll feel stressed, but they'll be able to calm themselves. They'll be able to process as they speak. And things like using compassion, using validation, and using some reframing with a focus on a growth mindset can be helpful. And you might find that that's all that's needed. And people come away from that experience feeling really heard, really seen, really validated, and have had a chance to process some things in their story. But then there's other people. Right, where that level of emotion and fear becomes activated and they become, I guess the best phrase is like, it's outside of the window of tolerance. And maybe it's obvious, there's pressured speech, there's over breathing, there's like lots of saying, I can't do this, you might find somebody uh, physically like recoiling even when they try and think about it. Like it's really, really, really activated for them. However, there are less obvious trauma responses like dissociation, for example. Even clinical psychs are not necessarily given heaps of training in this. Um, I would say the thing I wanna say about that is to the untrained eye, someone who is actively in a dissociative state can look like they're calm, especially if this has been something where they've had multiple traumas in their life and it's become a coping strategy, they can look quite calm. it's not something lots of people are trained to look for. And why, you know, why should they necessarily? People do lots of training to get to where they are. Not everybody has to be a clinical psych. That's totally not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I think it's unethical and unkind to leave people more distressed than they were before they met you. So obviously for a lot of people who offer birthday debriefs, their intention is to leave the world kinder and have people feeling better. That's why you do this compassionate work, right? But what if you are leaving people more distressed? And what if you don't even know it? So I think without assistance to contain the trauma and to use some grounding um, exercises, you, you might be leaving people feeling worse than they did. And it's important to acknowledge that because the person who's Volunteered to go and have the debrief, probably has the expectation that this is going to help, right? That it's going to make them feel better. We're not often giving people full informed consent about what to expect. That's all I'm saying. Like I said, people don't set out generally in this work to harm others, but sometimes they offer these debriefs as a need to do something. And so then, clients, consumers, patients, whatever language you like, people feel, people, that's a better word, people feel like this is something you're supposed to do, to move forward, you're supposed to go and get a debrief. So on the other side though, like is it potentially better than not doing anything? Because I guess a debrief can be a way of communicating quite clearly, this is an event worth talking about, it's not a run-of-the-mill thing, It's not, you know, something to sweep under the rug. I never ever want people to feel like there's nothing you can do after a traumatic birth or necessarily that you have to wait to talk to a mental health professional. But I think debriefs, we just need to be mindful that they will help some people some of the time and some people they won't. So if you're pregnant again, for example, and you're preparing for another birth, and you're getting some independent childbirth education, that can be useful. Um, But we just don't want people to have these assumptions that you go and have this single standalone session and after that everything will be fine. A a debrief in any capacity is not a standalone intervention. There's also the risk of vicarious trauma for whoever's doing the debrief, um, particularly if there is isn't adequate support or supervision. Um, these are things that you always need to be checking in with other people and I guess as I mentioned earlier there is the possibility that something is called a debrief but what it's actually about is a grievance procedure. Um, it's less about listening and offering compassion that's more about managing what we're going to do if we get sued. So these are just things <laughs> to be mindful of And as I said, like, it should go without saying, but sometimes it doesn't. An effective birth debrief has to be completely voluntary. There has to have, like, statements of, like, here is the risks, here's the benefits, here's the possibility that absolutely nothing might change by having this done. We should never be making people do this. Um, It's not a standalone intervention. A single one-off birth debrief is not considered... An intervention for any particular trauma if you look at the research so maybe it's better than nothing but it might not be enough and I think people you know most I, th- I would say that most people who come to do a birthday brief with me for their first session generally understand that they generally understand that there might be more to uncover more work to do and you don't know that sometimes until you start so I think they shouldn't be too open-ended. Um, you need to be deep listening, but also attending to and managing trauma symptoms if they arise, so you're keeping people again in their window of tolerance and checking in with them. Um, you know, something I do regularly that we should all be doing is just a simple check-in, zero to 10, how are you going right now? Where zero is um, lying on a beach somewhere and 10 is I'm about to jump out of my skin. So. I think for people who might be listening to this, who offer birthday breaks or are thinking about it, something to keep in mind is that if you just don't have the qualifications to do what's needed or might be needed, such as keeping people in their window of tolerance, looking for dissociation, using some grounding, making sure that people are leaving that space with you feeling better rather than feeling worse, there needs to be a clear uh, pathway follow-up you need to be able to have the confidence to say you know thank you so much for trusting me with the story I don't have the specific qualifications for this but I do know someone who does who can help you from here so it has to be a collaborative process you know sometimes you don't know these things the person themselves doesn't know (laughs) how deep the trauma goes until they start talking about it um but there's this phrase that I'm going to paraphrase poorly because I can't remember what the exact quote is but Bessel van der Kolk um, who's the really popular all of a sudden he's become like a rock star in terms of trauma he's just everywhere Um, he wrote a paper by the same name like years and years and years ago but the body keeps the score guy he says something along the lines of like if people could talk about it then we wouldn't have this, you know, massive problem with trauma that we do. Talking about it is traumatic in itself. So sometimes just talking about something is not enough, and you are definitely not alone. You are sitting and down having a conversation about your birth it was not enough. It most likely isn't going to be. Just depending on the level of trauma that you've had and how it's been processed in your body. But there are ways around it. So maybe just not with a single one off. Birthday brief.